Hi, we're Jill and Jenna, sisters who believe that gut health is the baseline required to live your best life. But health is way more than that, so we've made it our mission to take a deep dive into gut health, mental health, fitness, nutrition, and more. Interviewing experts, having real conversations, all while making sure all of the information is digestible. Welcome to our Gut Talk. Welcome back. We are so excited about this episode today. We have Brent on, aka Bodies by Brent. He is a personal trainer and has been for 17 years now. So he has amazing insight and knowledge to provide us. And we just dive into all things fitness today. So get ready to hear the benefits of weightlifting, common misconceptions about weightlifting, especially for women, how to begin a fitness journey, how much you should be lifting, what other things you can be doing to support your body, and so much more. Brent has a really awesome story as to why he got into fitness, which he shares, as well as Jill and I sharing a little bit about our fitness journey and our times of over-exercising and over-training due to not really knowing what we were doing. So we dive into all of that with Bren and you know, everyone Jill loves to say fit does not equal healthy. So we talk about that too, as well as the fitness industry that Brent has been in for many years. So all things fitness, super excited. If you want to go follow Brent, his Instagram and TikTok are at bodies by Brent and his podcast is bodies by Brent as well. Jill and I were actually on his podcast very recently. If you want to go check out that episode, we talk about gut health, our journey, lots of different things. It's a really awesome episode. So let's just dive right on into it. Here is Brent on Gut Talk. But you know what my problem is after like a morning like that? And I know I have to reset my mind, but I'm like, if I'm just stretching, why am I not doing this at home? Mind you, I wouldn't stretch at home. So yeah, I probably that's should why. go. Yeah. It's the accountability but, piece. Yeah. It's because going somewhere gets me out the door to go do it. Yeah. And I'm not going to follow it. If it's on my laptop and whatnot, I'm not going to do it. I won't do it. Fair. I won't do it. Yeah. And then I'll probably go lift later in the day. So it's not like my, it's just, it's more of just getting my mind in the right headspace. Right. How many times are you, do you lift a week? I, my goal is to get two to three. Okay. Not not that often. Yeah. yeah. I find two to three is good for most people. What's your background? Like, how did you get into not only coaching, but lifting yourself? When did that start? So somewhere around sixth grade, I stopped doing sports and mm. going into junior high, not doing sports because, I don't know, team sports was never for me. I just didn't resonate very well with school. I didn't do well in school. They always put me in like special classes. Couldn't read very well, maybe dyslexia mixed with like ADD and all this stuff. And so I just started to emotionally eat a ton. I would get like giant salad bowls and put cereal in there. Me and my sister would just emotionally eat everything. And our parents, you know, like there's no, there was no cap. They're like, yeah, there's food in the house. Right. Eat it if you want. Sure. Right. Yeah. Eat hamburger helper, eat, mm-hmm. you know, candies from Costco or whatever, have ice cream for dessert. And I was eating tons of like pastas and you know all the all the like western old school yeah 80s 90s diet right whole grain right mm-hmm. yeah yeah all this you're eating cereal for breakfast mind you also a salad bowl cereal <laughs> right. right tons of milk like we go through gallons of milk a week so much milk so it's like all this wheat all this sugar you know all this dairy so i just started gaining a ton of weight it got up to 230 and I didn't have any muscle, so for me, that was pretty heavy. How tall? Six one, And so 
I remember I was just super depressed and hated school all the way through junior high, three years, and then my first year of high school. And there was some, there was that one summer, I don't know, after my first year of high school, I was fed up of like feeling tired, feeling fat, feeling sad about it. And I remember I bought this book called Body for Life. It's like an old school Bill Phillips book. He created Muscle and Fitness Magazine and he had a supplement company called EAS, one of the first supplement companies. And it's like one of the very first 90 day programs. Take your pictures before and after. And in the book, there was all these transformational stories. And one of them was this guy who had HIV and he was super depressed. Then he went through this program and everyone's transformation was like amazing. And I just, I so bought into the whole thing. And it was lift weights three days a week, like upper body, lower body, just rotating Monday, Wednesday, Friday, three days of 20 minutes of sprinting, and then eat six meals a day, make sure there's protein, and then just a serving size of like fat, carbs, and protein that's just complex. I was like, okay. And then you had one cheat day, right? I think that's where cheat days came from, is yeah. this program. Sunday, you could do anything you wanted. <laughs> so like me and my dad were like, let's do it. Bought a bunch of dumbbells in the garage, and we just did it. Did your parents know that you were depressed and frustrated and just not happy? I think so, yeah. Okay. So yeah. your dad was probably like, cool, if he wants to do this, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And he was super active when he was young. And I think he was like, oh, yeah, this is like a good opportunity. Let's do it. And I remember just committing to it 100%. didn't know what was actually going to happen. And I remember taking before pictures and after. And I remember there was a huge change. I dropped 50 pounds. But it wasn't until... You know, I went back to school and before going back to school, I was shopping and buying completely different clothes. Before I dressed like some kid that watched anime and like had hemp necklaces <laughs> and bleached hair that was spiked up, like wow. super crazy looking. Yeah. And then now I was wearing like, I don't know, tighter jeans and dress shirts and like I look completely different. Mm. And I remember the reaction going back to school. That was where I really felt the transformation is like the way people now engage with me or saw me. It was like. People couldn't believe it. Yeah. And I remember that feeling of having an experience where I didn't know, I didn't have any idea that I could look or become that thing. And so achieving that, I was like, you know, I've always wanted to help people. This could be a good path for me to go. Because being in school, I hated school. And I was like, you guys are trying to train me to be a corporate monkey. I got to get out of here. And so this could be a path I could go. So then I was like, Okay, I think I'll go the fitness path. It's so interesting because Jen and I always say that health is not a look, it's a feel. And I like I know that you physically changed the way you looked, but it sounds like you were the change was so much more like your confidence and the way you felt about yourself and your ability probably to navigate through high school. I mean, high school's hell. <laughs> I wouldn't pay a million dollars to go back there or get paid a million dollars to go back there. Like I hated high school and oh, I, yeah. I relate a lot. Like I just didn't feel like I fit in. I didn't want to be cool for me. It was just like, I just wanted to play softball, but I like my, our parents were very frugal. So you're not getting Abercrombie in the cool kids clothes. And I, although I played softball, I was like in softball shape. I wasn't in like cute high school girl shape. I just remember kind of the same thing. Like, why am I in history class? Like this is, I'm never going to do anything with this. And I just remember being like, I have to get out of here. Yeah. And I think it felt like a prison so, sentence. Yes. You're like, I'm just serving my time until I get released. <laughs> yes. That's what I felt like. And it finally <laughs> awesome. got out. And I yeah. never thought beyond high school. I just was like, I just got to get out of here. Yeah. So for you after high school, then where did your, I messed go? around and going to 
couple different community colleges and I, you know, I was like, what am I supposed to do? And I was very confused. And then eventually I went to one technical college, but it was very traditional style school where they lecture, you take notes, you read a bunch of, you know, uh, lecture books and mm. take tests. And I failed out of that within two, two. Yeah. So then I went to a more of a, uh, like a really kinesthetic hands-on lecturing style school. That was a year long to learn anatomy, physiology training. And I just soaked that up. The style of learning was way different. And I like completely excelled at it. And that was amazing. So at 20, graduated from that, got my certification. And then I started training at 20. And I mean, now the world that you're in is so oversaturated. Everyone has a fitness guide and their Instagram models and things like that. So how did you navigate? Was it as oversaturated when you started did you find it hard to find clients or did you naturally just find your way? It's interesting. Everything, I feel like everything is the same. It's just a different look to everything. And it's funny because I just see all the young people going through the same things of like, you know, getting super into the whole aesthetic look and posting. And then eventually they come to this realization that that's not what it's all about. And there's all this fake stuff behind it, whether it's taking steroids. And now you have the added filters, but it's the same thing. Back then there was all the magazines for trainers, we saw tons of magazines. So we'd look at these bodybuilding magazines. And as guys, you're like, well, if I become a bodybuilder and I do really well at a show, then I'll probably get clients. That was like our thought. Mm -hmm. But I, the first job I went into was a place that was like a, it's like a boutique gym. And I mostly worked in those. I never really wanted to go into a big chain gym because I knew big chain gyms are usually just based on sales. You're actually a salesperson. Mm -hmm. You're just trying to get as many people to sign up and right. they don't really care if you use your packages and they try to you know, overbook trainers on purpose and then just burn them out and bring somebody else in and get more people wow. to sign up. So not saying you shouldn't, but you know, be weary of signing up at big chain style box gyms, right? Yeah. A boutique gym is a better way to go, a private gym. So I worked at a place that was a private gym where they had a very specific philosophy. It was like, 20 minutes, two times a week. They're really 30 minute workouts. And it was a certain type of philosophy, but I didn't have to really figure out how to program. It was more of when I got in there, I realized, oh, this is all about learning how to coach people and deal with personalities. Every 30 minutes I was meeting a new person and I'm a, you know, I'm, I was a pretty big introvert at the time. Didn't, couldn't stand up and give a speech to save my life. I'd pass out and die, right? And so now I had to interact and in my mind, I was like, you just write programs and you write nutrition and people become successful. That's what I was taught, right? And that's, that's just like the tiniest piece of the puzzle. You learn to try to converse with people and connect with them and then really trying to coach them out one-on-one. -on -one. So for two years, it was just getting exposed to tons of people and their personalities and what works and what doesn't work. And what doesn't usually work is just, Here's a program, here's a nutrition program as well, and then here you go. If that worked, then everyone would be fit because look at how many just programs there are. Right. It's just a very small piece. And so now you, would you say that you focus more on training women or that that's your specialty? Like how would you define that? Yeah, I would say so. And how'd you get into that? Like I don't why? know, I think like as a, as a young kid in elementary, I just, I was friends with a lot of girls. I just mm -hmm. naturally connected with a lot of girls. And, you know, growing up, my mom was someone I usually went to mm -hmm. when I had anything very intense going on in my life. So I, I just, I felt a very strong bond with women. Mm -hmm. And 
I don't know, I started liking training women way better. They're way easier to coach. They yeah. listen <laughs> a lot more, right? They're open to feedback and a lot of them don't have any experience training. So they're super curious and to watch them go from not understanding any of it and then starting to not only see their body change, but feel empowered, mm. it's, it's addicting. It's really cool. Now I'm coming to the place where I like pairing women up together because I realize that community aspect, they get results so much faster, right? Oh, interesting. Why do you think that yeah. is? They just share with each other, mm. you know? And I think that's also, I don't, I mean, I'm sure it's like that with men as well, but I think especially with women, it's having that community and that sharing. I think it's my opinion, but I think women learn so much faster and they can share. So if like one person's been with me three months, six months, nine months, and she's had certain struggles, maybe she has two kids, another person just joined on, she's got a kid. She's like, oh, this is how I mm. schedule getting my cardio in or how I figured out. And just also sharing, it's like kind of like therapy, sharing their struggles with stuff. They feel, I don't know, they feel more empowered and more supported you know, to accomplish their goals. They have a community holding them accountable, right? Also, if they're watching form, right? So, you know, if I have somebody who's been training with me a year and you're in the group, you know, you're watching somebody like mm -hmm. squat. And so that's motivating. And if somebody's by themselves, even if it's me, they don't have any gauge of intensity where you might have somebody in the group that is just going at it and working hard. And they're like, oh, I got to step this up a little bit. And they want to because they're like, well, we're like a team. Yeah. Right. Versus if they're by themselves, I can try to push them as much as they as I want. But there might be a limit in their own mind. Also, it, they stop complaining as much people in general because people just, you know, just like we need to stop. Yeah. Right. And I also won't accept it. One on one <laughs> is better for people who really need. Like a lot more just coaching and maybe learning the skill Re yeah skills and just need a, to build a base first yeah of like the movements i really need to talk about everything that's going on in my life how do i structure this what do i do and then eventually moving them into a group but still with the group keeping it in a place where you can still have individual coaching you know i don't i don't let the groups get bigger than six people yeah yeah i like working out with other people or even just around people because it's that motivation factor you see other people working hard you want to work hard too. And eventually it's your community. It's your, mm -hmm. it's your people. Yeah. Right. Instead of just always happy hour or whatever, you have this positive, healthy community where you look forward to doing it. And now you're getting that a big part of health too, is the social component, right? Mm -hmm. You just learn from COVID, like being social as a human being is extremely important. So you're getting that piece. Yeah. yeah and I think too, when it comes to that social component, I think a lot of people our age are wanting to find groups of people that don't involve drinking. Like-minded people. Yes. Yeah. And I think fitness groups are such an amazing way to do that. Yeah. I, I'm interested to hear your thoughts in today's world. And we talked about this when we were on your podcast a little bit of just for like 10 years ago, being skinny was the body, right? Like being as skinny as possible with the low rise jeans. Now it's all about the curviness. Are you seeing women come to you and say, okay, I want a tiny waist and a really big butt. And like, I want this hourglass shape. 
do you find that women are coming to you with that type of mindset instead of like, I want to feel better. I want to lift. I want to feel strong. I want to feel, are you seeing kind of the aesthetic goals versus the feeling goals? So when I first started, I was always trying to get women to be like, let's just focus on get stronger and I, and then just love your body the way it's going to look Yeah, and be proud of having a little bit more muscle on you. And it's going to be good. And we finally, in the last three, four years, I'm like, oh, wow, people are finally coming to me and being like, yeah, I want to grow my glutes. Or before it's like, I don't want anything to grow mm -hmm. at all. Like keep it super small. You know, I think people know me enough now when they come to me, they don't make those requests okay. of, I want to trim this. I want to trim that, you know, change this because those people, even if they begin with me, they eventually weed themselves out. Yeah. You know, when I was younger and you don't really have an option and you just kind of, you get everybody, right? Yeah, you would get a lot of requests like that. And sometimes you would get some people who they couldn't, it's almost like it's a uh, dysmorphia in the mind of, they would just think my thighs are big. And I'm like, no, you're so tiny compared mm -hmm. to like a, another client I have. And in, in people's genetics vary so much. Yeah. One person's like, my thighs are so big. Meanwhile, they're tiny and you have another person who's in amazing shape and they're like a couple inches bigger, whatever. Yeah. It's it's a, this perception thing. And then they would get to the point where they wouldn't allow me to train them. They're like, well, I, don't, I can't do squats today because that'll kind of make them grow. Wow. And, and they would get in their head with this feeling like this is this feels bigger, this. And they just keep trying to control everything to the point where they they actually stop themselves from ever getting results. And it's almost like, like I said, like it's a dysmorphia in the mind. Yeah. I think women, there's this massive misconception. We were talking about it offline a little bit ago of as women, we want to, we want to be, we want to feel tiny, but we also want to feel in shape. And I was telling you that when I was finishing college softball, I was like, I'm never lifting ever again. I don't want to be big and bulky. I don't want my shirts to be tight. But what I didn't realize was it was way more about the way I was eating and the way I was like living my lifestyle and a lot less about lifting heavy weights. Can you talk about that misconception a little bit of the idea that lifting weights makes you big and bulky and not fit into your clothes? Yeah. Lifting weights is not going to make you big and bulky. There's a very small, small percentage of women that do put on muscle pretty easy, but you still have to eat more calories than you're burning to put on that muscle. And there's also a way to strength train that's not focused on getting as big as possible. You can use weight training to get super lean and tight. You don't need to train like you're going to be a football linebacker, right? But you should still do squats and movements with the barbell, right? But you don't need to, you know, do three sets and take a five minute break and then do another you know, three reps or whatever, you know, lifting as heavy as possible. You can work out your arms without looking super macho and bulky yeah. well, on the record. What usually, yes. What <laughs> usually happens is women start lifting for the first month or two. They put on weight, which is normal because you're starting to get a little bit of inflammation in the muscle and you're retaining water in the muscle. And it takes a while for you to start to lose body fat. Also now, because you're holding that water in the muscle, because water's muscles, mostly water, and retaining glycogen, which is just stored carbohydrates, you start to feel bigger. Mm. And in your mind, you're like, oh my God, I'm starting to get so big. And then they stop. You've got to get through that first three month hump or like, you know, introductory period where your body really starts to change and lean out, right? Yeah. My, the, my strongest gals I train are the leanest and way smaller than they were in the beginning. They come to me, they're doing a ton of cardio, 
or ton of Pilates. And that actually keeps them, your words, fluffy. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah. it takes time. It takes time. You know, you want in a good mindset is give it one year and focus on I'm going to develop the skill of lifting weights, training my whole body to be strong, getting my nutrition in check, getting, you know, a little bit of cardio going, and then just give it time and keep adjusting as you go. Right. If you feel like your arms are getting too big, don't do any isolation work. Just do chin ups and push ups. That's going to get your biceps and triceps. Don't do extra bicep curls then. Right. Or if you only need to do squats, then yeah, don't add leg extension and leg curls if you feel like your quads respond too much. And there is some movement like, oh, I, I like this movement better, you know, you know, squats over deadlifts or whatever it may be. Yeah. Right? But you should still train with weights full body. Yeah. So we're a starter pack podcast. It's what we like to call it. Starter pack? Starter pack. <laughs> so if you... If there is somebody, there's going to be a lot of ladies listening to this who want to just start a weightlifting journey, let's call it, where where should they start? The best thing to do if you're really if you're actually really really serious is search your area for a trainer that mm. really understands strength training. Invest in 3 months and learn the basics. Like be like, look, I really want to understand the basics of lifting. Because once you understand the basics of lifting, it's like it's like taking a college course. Like now you can take that whether you go back to your own garage gym and lift or you go back into a commercial gym. Now, if you do buy a program from somebody, you have a good understanding. Don't waste your time buying a program because if you even if you're doing the best program, if you're doing all of the exercises super shitty or you're not really connecting the mind muscle connection or, you know, really doing the movement properly you're wasting your time, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, when I came to you, <laughs> I was doing squats wrong. Not super wrong, but a little technique change will right. go a long way, yeah. especially long term, right? But I had been doing squats for, let's say- What were you What were you doing? I'm curious. What was Just I everybody, doing? Everybody, so everybody has different femur length and hip length, and when someone squats, their feet either need to be out a little more, in a little more, and then how wide or narrow they stand just so they can set. A good way to figure out what your squat is, is sit in a malasana squat, a yogi squat, push your knees out, and where your feet are flat and you can kind of get into position, usually, and then look at your feet. That width and that angle of your feet, that's usually your squat position. Oh, that's It a was cool a tip. lot different than what I was practicing. And yeah. you don't want to squat that low, but sure. that gives you an idea of what it should be. And if you can't squat down and do that, then you know that's the first place where you should begin is holding that position to get your mobility so you can start squatting. Cool. And then just, yeah. So what if, okay, I understand the reasoning behind getting a trainer and I agree with you. It's kind of the same thing that we say with health. Like go find someone who really knows what they're talking about and invest up front because you're going to end up investing down the road at some point anyway. Yep. But what about for all of our gut talk girls out there who are like, I will, but I don't have the budget right now. Like where do I yeah. start if all I have is my apartment gym? Well, then I would just, yeah, TikTok or Instagram. Find somebody who, you know, has the philosophy of training with weights that you really resonate with, right? And then just start to learn from them. There's so many good tutorials that mm -hmm. they break down stuff really well. And, you know, maybe do a virtual coaching then with them. That might be a cheaper option sure. where you can like send form check videos. That, that could be a good second option. But the key right now when you're first starting is to educate yourself one way or another. You need to learn all the basic movements. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And how many days would you say 
I would say you don't need to lift more than two, three days a week, full body, or you can do a little bit of a split, maybe sometimes upper or lower, but you know, most athletes train full body. That way you're not doing so much volume, which is so many sets and reps. So you're not going to get bigger. You see a lot of women and men training like bodybuilders. They do all legs mm -hmm. or all, you know, butt and hamstrings or all upper body. It's like, if you don't want to grow, don't do that, yeah. right? You still need to eat more calories, but if you're training full body, you're only doing one, maybe two leg exercises. That's not enough to really get anything to grow too much. You're going to get more dense. So the muscle will get more dense and that will help you raise your metabolism. That's what's going to help you get leaner, but it's not so many sets and reps and exercises that is going to create muscle growth. Now, if you do really want to grow those areas, then yeah, adding a body part focused day with a lot more calories, that would. So if you wanted glutes and hamstrings to really grow, add a very specific day to that and start upping your calories, that will grow. Yeah, I like that. And one thing, I guess, you said two to three days. I think some people are going to be surprised because I know myself, when I was doing it on my own a few years ago, I was going five days a week. Yeah. Well, I think two, three days weight training with a little, and then you could finish it with you know, some kind of cardio, I think you do need some kind of cardio. And then I like to have people add in another one, two, maybe three days of some kind of activity they like, mm -hmm. whether it's tennis or yoga or maybe two days of spin or it could just be even walking. You, can't, you can't just, pickleball. yeah, pickleball. pickleball. I mean, if you do like two hours and your yeah. heart rate's oh, up yeah. and, it's and, a if, and if you're sweating a lot, perfect. Yeah. But just only lifting and there's and if it's not designed where there's a little bit of cardio or some intervals in there it's going to be pretty hard to get leaner efficiently you can do it of course if you're in a caloric deficit and you're exercising you're going to get leaner yeah but i think cardio is such a important piece to accelerating those results also you just feel yeah. way better it's funny that happened to me recently jen and i bought a guide and uh, it was it's very body specific to your butt. And I'm like, OK, cool. And I grow muscle really quickly. Like yeah, I'm you're one, one of those, those girls. Well, yeah, because you're a division one athlete. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Like if you come to me, I know, OK, I probably have to be a little careful with having her train heavy because naturally division one athletes are strong as fuck. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it took one month and not a single pair of my jeans fit me. Yeah. And I'm they, like, cool. I look great if I was a, in a bathing suit, but it's the end of January. And <laughs> like, I'm wearing the same pair of jeans over and over again. And that was like the first good reminder of, okay, when you switch things up pretty majorly, your body is going to react. Like, I almost thought, like, I don't know what I was thinking. And then, and I'm still working my way out of that. But I think the difference is because we see so much of this stuff. Five years ago, mentally, I would have been like, holy shit, what am I doing? I'm fat. I don't fit in my clothes. And you spiral so oh, yeah. quickly. And next thing you know, you're not working out at all because what we were talking about, it's like, I don't know what to do. And now I'm in my head about it. And so now I'm not doing it at all. And now I'm just like, okay, we'll just slowly revert back. And I'm doing full body. And it's like, I, I think that's my, my place. No running, full body. Maybe a little spin or some boxing. And that's why it takes a year because you get three months in, you have a base, and then you start to figure out how do I like how do I tweak or customize my training that works really well for my body. Yeah. Maybe I want two two leg days and just one upper body day, mm -hmm. or I need a little bit more cardio, or I don't need any direct arm work. You just keep tweaking it. Also, it takes that amount of time to tweak your diet, 
tweak your habits, tweak your sleep, tweak everything, right? Because that all goes into it. You know, you can train and have the best training program and be super consistent. But if you're not recovering and sleeping and not drinking a bunch of booze and your diet's good and you're consistent, nothing's going to happen. Yeah, it's the whole picture. I think that's what what health is. It's a complete lifestyle change. Exactly. That takes time. Mm -hmm. That takes time. No 90 days is going to get you where you want to be. And even if it seems like it is or you get a bunch of results, it's not going to stick. It's not going to stay because whatever you did that was so extreme that you lost 10, 20, 30 pounds, you can't continue to do that. And that's like the body for life thing. Did the program. We kept trying to repeat the program over and over again. We got to the place where I can't keep doing this. Mm. It's too much. It's too intense. Now you have to progress and just start to think like, what do I need? That's why having a coach is invaluable because you have someone who can help you figure out what do I think is the next step that's best for me. For young women that are out there that are looking to get into the fitness world and they're lost, what are some of the misconceptions or themes that you're seeing that you think might be beneficial to point out? Like, I know we've talked a lot about the idea of being bulky when you're lifting weights or working in groups helps you out a lot. Is there anything else that you see that you think would be beneficial to share? Like for young girls, right? They're just graduating college, speed up 10 years, and they're like, I wish I would have known okay, X, Y, I got and one. Z. Mm-hmm. So living in Seattle, I trained mostly like career-focused driven women. They hadn't been married yet. They didn't have kids. And even up there, the ones that were married, none of them really had kids. Being here in Texas, I have all of my clients have like two, three, four kids. Mm-hmm. And it's it's super cool being, and I've trained a ton of pregnant women being down here too. And I'm learning so much by doing that. And I think if you want to have the best body you can after having kids, you need to start weight training right now. During pregnancy. Not, no, way before. The uh, better shape you are in before you get pregnant, Mm-hmm. the faster you will recover and the faster you will get your body back. Interesting. Wow. That's, I love that. Yeah. That's the best thing you can do, right? Yeah. Because if you're out of shape and then you get pregnant, from, you know, from my experience, you can't get too much more fit from where you are when you get pregnant. You only have like a couple months where you can kind of push it, but there comes a point where when you're lifting, you can't really brace with your core. You know, you start to get limited. You can't create a lot of pressure. You can still lift. You can still train pretty hard, but if you aren't training that hard already, you can't start moving the needle more and more forward. You can't grow into pregnancy and start not lift, you know, only lifting a barbell and then now squatting a bunch of weight and training super hard. But if you already train pretty hard and you're strong and you're fit, it's very safe to just maintain what you already do all the way through pregnancy. Mm. And then you give birth, you have two, three, whatever months off. The faster you'll recover and the faster you'll be back in it. And then your body will just remember. Also, you know, if you if you haven't trained at all, you know, and you have a couple kids and your hormones are all over the place. And, you know, what I've been told and been talking to all my female clients, like it it can really take a woman's body through the ringer. Like it can really change it dramatically. Yeah. And if that happens and you haven't done any training, it may never get back to where it, it was before. Yeah. And it's okay if it doesn't either. It's no, yeah. it's no, right, you right. know, it's fine, you know. Yeah. So I think the best investment, if you want to have, you know, a fit, healthy body and still feel great after pregnancy, investing in weight training is a very good idea. It's the best thing you can do. Yeah, I've never heard that. That's yeah. great. And I think too, what you were going back to, what you were saying about it, just has to be two to three days. 
Yeah. Right. People, I think, are so intimidated by potentially starting this and realizing that every single day they have to commit to something. And yeah, you're going to commit to fitness one way or the other, whether you're doing Pilates or yoga or running or maybe not running or weightlifting. But you choose what you want to do when you want to do it, essentially. I think that here's like a good philosophy. You know, the reason it's every two, you know, two, three days a week of weight training is because it takes about 36 to 48 hours for the muscle to recover. Right. So Mm -hmm. if you think that's every you know, every couple days, right? And then take the weekend off. So you don't really need to be training much more than that. So if you do full body, rest a day or two, do it again. Rest a day or two, do it again. So you don't need much more than that because to get your body to change, it's about progressing week to week or workout to workout, adding a little more reps, adding another set, adding a little bit more weight. Over time, that's what makes your body change is the progressive overload or the the slight change in progression over time. And you can't do that if you don't allow yourself to recover. You just do stuff all the time and just get burnt out and hot and sweaty. Nothing will happen. That's why I always like to say, train more for performance. Like focus on getting stronger. Focus on, you know, getting some more reps. You know, being able to do a pull-up. Because as a side effect, your body's going to change from doing that. Instead of being in the mindset of, I just want to get leaner. Mm. There's nothing wrong with that. But also put in there like I have these other goals as well. I'm I kid you not. I'm like in my head. I'm like rewiring the way I'm like planning my workouts for a week. Like <laughs> I my love it. former athlete brain is like ah, like thank goodness well, to that too. And I feel like on Instagram, I I know personally. I used to see. I used to follow Instagram fitness people, and it they it would seem or maybe they do like they go every single day, maybe one rest day a week. So I felt like I had to keep up with them. I couldn't because I would go five or six times and I would feel super depleted. I My recovery, I'll never forget one time. I, I think I almost pulled my hamstring because it was so sore from the day before. I was like, what am I doing? Yeah. Of course, because I thought you had to go hard in order to look like the fitness models. And the reality is you don't. You have to go at your own pace, but... What, you need the, to push. You need to push yourself. Sure. And it doesn't have to be every workout, but yeah, you need to be pushing. But you need to recover. It's, yeah. It's part of it. You need to recover. Yeah. Do you see a lot of steroids just in the weightlifting world still today, or do you think that it's more so like, especially with women, the surgeries that are done to help? It's probably more prevalent than it's ever been. The surgeries. All of it. Really. And steroids? Oh yeah. Really. Well, I mean, look at how much. Like, look back. When, you know, I was training, there's no Instagram, Facebook, you kind of use, but think about when you were on Facebook, how much reach people had, you know, it was almost, it was just your close friends and some of your clients. Now on Instagram, any, you can share a photo and anybody can find you. Now, TikTok, anybody can find you. Like you can go viral or be found by all kinds of people. Mm -hmm. Now there's a lot more pressure to be on camera and be in shape or look a certain way. So, yeah, it's and those things are never going to go away. Yeah. Right. Aesthetic changes have been around for centuries. Right. And it's just accelerating because we're now so like I have access to so many millions of people. Right. And it's people's businesses. It's people's brands. It's like, you know, whatever. And I think every person in the fitness industry, you know, they feel pressure. They see all these people super fit in shape. They're not getting results. They start judging themselves. And then eventually they meet some people and they're like, oh, this is what we're doing. 
and then they start doing it. Maybe they go through a journey like I did. You know, you do steroids two, three years, and you're like, I'm going to get big and strong. And then you realize, I do not feel good. And my body's broken down. And no one gives a shit what you look like. If you have a six pack or you look, you know, your glutes look amazing and this, that doesn't, no one, no one cares. Yeah. No one cares. Yeah. Right. We, we try to talk about this on as many podcast episodes as we can of just like, hey, if you want to get the surgeries or you want to do steroids, that's fine. But normalize talking about it so that way when young women are scrolling, they can identify. Yeah, be right? real. Just be, be real. real with it. Yeah. Like, so like if you're going to do it, just be 100% about it. Yeah. Because then you're going to, yeah, you're just going to perpetuate the mirror of the lie. Yeah. I'm single. I don't have any kids, no kids in the near future. I already fear why are you laughing at me? I just I'm like, single. I, no, because my point is like, there's, I, it's not like I'm about to have my first kid, right? Yeah. yeah. But the amount of times I think about what it's going to be like to one day raise kids mm. with all of these uh, aesthetic changes that are around and that young women see, I am so mortified for all young women out there. I think you just need to have conversations right yeah. from the beginning and you constantly, you know, it's like social media is an amazing tool. You know, and now we have access to all these people, especially with TikTok, that you would have never, like you guys, people are being exposed to this conversation because of that. Mm -hmm. And that has a positive. It's just a vehicle, right? And so I think it's just like same with drugs. You can't ban it. You don't get rid of it. You just have conversations. Yeah. And so then your kids, they can, they have an understanding, a consciousness and awareness as they engage. And you just keep reminding them, mm -hmm. right? Keep reminding them. Yeah, that's why we say our fit doesn't equal healthy because it's that reminder that everything you see on social media isn't necessarily the whole picture. I mean, it's not. We all know it's not. But your brain, it's the whatever, the wiring or whatever that you, the continuous scrolling. And it can be super detrimental to so many people. But again, it's the conversations that people like us can have that you all listening can have with your friends of, you know, I think when it comes down to fitness and health, it's all about looking at and reflecting with yourself. How do you feel doing this? And not necessarily comparing yourself to every other person that you see because what they're putting out is just a small, small fraction of their life. And you don't know what they actually feel like. Exactly. You have no idea if exactly. they're happy. You don't know. You don't know anything. No. You literally know nothing. Because I know with ourselves, I mean, we've had times where we weren't feeling our best, but I would still pull up the camera and not, it's not fake, but we had a video to post. You know, I'm not going to sit there and be like, guys, I'm, you know, super upset about this, this, and this. I don't think everyone needs to know all of my problems. So even on our end, it's not the entire picture. Yeah. Sure. We try to be real, but we're not going to show 100% of our life. It's not realistic. No, exactly. Yeah, I 100% agree. So we always like to finish off our podcast with like any resources that you love. If there's mm -hmm. anyone on Instagram or TikTok that you enjoy their content to just share a podcast you like to listen to, obviously, other than your own. And please plug yourself. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my podcast, Bodies by Brent, for sure. And my Instagram and TikTok, Bodies by Brent. Another one, I love Andrew Huberman. He's great. Uh, mm. just diving into all the neuroscience and science and just kind of breaking all that stuff down. I yeah. think that's, that's great. Of course, your guys is. Thank you. <laughs> <podcast>. <laughs> what about like a favorite book or 
what or yeah a i think a good place to begin is reading the untethered soul mm. because happiness and all this stuff is such an inside job mm -hmm. so really as you're going you know first getting into fitness you know it's good because it starts to take you inward and realize oh this the body the mind the emotions the spirit they're all interconnected right so you need to kind of be working on all those together and as you start to develop happiness within and understand that then you can get a better perception of reality of 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 what you're what you think of your body right where if you don't work on any of that you're gonna you know that's why people can be super in shape and be super unhappy right and some people you might look at and be like oh they're okay but they're extremely happy because it, it's just it's subjective it's completely subjective mm -hmm. we just make up these things in our mind so you know begin with that that will begin helping you reflect deeper on your awareness of reality. I love that. I love that. Yes. I think that's good a good way to end. Yeah. Thank you so much for yeah. coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Um, and we will have your info in our podcast notes. Yeah. You yes. guys rock. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you.